scholars and researchers or whether we're actually in business. So doing a journal on AI, which we've just started and which is looking at how AI, and we've just touched on it earlier, how it can actually be very constrictive, the whole ethics of AI and how you deal with that, the choices that are kind of inbuilt and assumptions that are inbuilt within AI systems. That's a really interesting area, how you do it in banking, how you do it in finance. Similarly, digital in different walks of life. So, you know, looking at how digital is impacting us all in terms of advertising, branding and marketing choices and the products and services that we buy and consume. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. This is your host, Mike Jones, and I'm once again running solo this week in our conversation with Jennifer Daniel and Darren Moody from HS Publishing and HS Talks. Welcome back to the show, Jennifer and Darren. Great. Thank you. Very excited to be here. It's lovely to be asked, and thanks for asking us. Thanks for coming back. This is part two of a two-part show, so if you've not had time to catch part one, I recommend looping back and listening in to hear more about how Jennifer would survive on a shipwrecked island and Darren's interest in intergalactic geneticists. All right, let's jump right back into our conversation. And I think it's important that we don't forget those foundational principles of education. Like right now, we're looking at a metaverse push, you know, to get into the metaverse and what that looks like. We're having a lot of conversations about the differences between the terminologies like VR, extended reality or metaverse versus your modalities as modalities versus like gamified content or experiences. And so starting to really draw a line between the modality we deliver and whether it's face-to-face -face or hybrid or online or metaverse or virtual reality and the experiences you have inside those things. And so as we talk thinking about advances in online education, and that leads us into our next question is how from the publishing world, have you guys seen this ongoing digital resolution impact education? And what have you guys done to respond? Jenny, do you want to start? Yeah, no. I mean, I think the biggest thing we've seen within the digital kind of revolution, as it were, is the fact that this is something that students have really come to expect and demand. I mean, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but, you know, this is something that they've seen how constructive and how beneficial it can be. And this is something that they want within their courses. But I mean, there is a little bit of a caveat to this, I think, in that they want digital content done well and done right. They don't want a wonky recording of the lecture that got delivered to them in class, they can do that themselves on their phone if they wanted to, you know, whatever that is. They want something that really adds to the course that they can be utilizing. But I think this really presents a challenge to universities because creating this high level content is expensive. And, you know, you need the software, you need someone that understands how to use the software and not, not only use it, but use it well and, you know, is creative in how they use it. You need a sound editor or engineer and the list goes on really with what you need with that. So this is not only kind of expensive in what you need to do, but it's also kind of time consuming. So even if you have a lecturer who's amazing and has all these skills, it's still taking up their time to create that for their courses. And, you know, if they do a couple of courses and you need to do it for each session, as it were, it can really add up. So I think that's where 
HS Talks comes in and being able to kind of provide this content, which faculty and, and students can then kind of utilize with what they're doing. It's very beneficial there because it can be too much, I think, for a single institution to be kind of covering all of these things. And I think from the student perspective as well, they've seen how global things are. You know, every day they're speaking to people from around the world. And I think they're, again, expecting that kind of side of things for their education as well. Like it's no longer enough to just have the experts from within their own institution. They're really wanting to broaden the scope of their course and know what else is going on around the world. So again, being able to bring in these inputs and researchers from other institutions and, and hear directly from them is something that has been really important and that we've really seen kind of evolving. And that's, again, where something like the biomedical and life sciences collection or the business and management collection comes in because it really gives them these insights from these other experts. They're not necessarily able to speak to all these CEOs or these researchers on their own, but this gives them a platform to kind of hear their views on different subjects as well. That's awesome. I think it's sometimes important to fish outside of our own pond, so to speak, and because you do gain new perspectives and different ideas, even from different worldviews or different experiences and backgrounds, that information can change just enough to give you a nice perspective on it instead of a singular view. That's that's great. I think it's, yeah, really, even your podcast, you know, you're getting different people from different places around the world and different kind of sectors, as it were, and, and having conversations with them. So the same can really be said for the education side of things. Why would you not expand you know, and get those different views on it? So I think it's only advantageous for students to be able to get those different viewpoints. That's great. I completely agree with both of what you've both said. And it sometimes strikes me that journal publishing can, it can do many great things, but one of the things it can be very naughty of is it can be preaching to the choir here <laughs> and <Right>. just talking <laughs> to a room that gets smaller and smaller when actually, especially if you're publishing in business and management, you're trying to reach out there to the people who are going to be the C-suite of tomorrow, the people who are going to be running businesses of tomorrow, as well as the people who are actually doing it now. So to get that wider debate with the community so that you've got people who've got on the ground experience of running businesses, of running departments, of dealing with whatever it is, you know, I'm dealing with property for a US-based major corporation and I'm based in the Far East. What do I do with it? Whatever the subject is, I'm in a right. large financial institution, whatever it is, just to get their perspectives, but then put it rubber against the road of testing it with academic rigor, academic tools, the analysis that academics can give us. I think that's very helpful. So I do agree with that. And, and we're finding that executives want that education from a lot of universities as well. So, you know, alumni and executives want that education and want that knowledge. And I suppose the other thing that I've noticed as a journal publisher, which is a great thing, actually, is the increase in accessibility. So that is now a major issue. So it's we can't just put the printed word. We can't just put the printed digital word. We've got to ensure that those people that have got accessibility issues can be aware of what is going on and that we make our content accessible to as many people Massive. as we possibly can. So that is that's a big yeah. change. And we've been thrilled to be a small part of doing that. So yeah, that's that's a big thing for 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 the industry, I think. Yeah, I think accessibility is one of those things that when you don't need it, you don't think about it as much. And you don't realize how even the smallest little changes can really affect the outcome for someone's life, you know, the change that it can make. And to your point on whether it's videos or journals, I think in a lot of cases, we have this 
algorithm driven ignorance now because we spend so much time on social media and echo chambers of our own beliefs and we forget to look outside of our beliefs and that's why i think peer reviewed journals and these types of things are so important because you need more perspective it may be a very far perspective on this side compared to a far perspective on this side and you may be in the middle but you need to hear those voices and really be able to separate that algorithmic ignorance that we tend to fall into, especially when it comes to foundational research on something we're looking at doing. So, Yeah, I call it artificial unintelligence, actually, which, yes. is, which, which is, you know, it's kind of the opposite of having, a, as you say, a collision of ideas. And that's probably the most interesting things we've ever published of when you've got two or three people who've come from different backgrounds and different disciplines, and they kind of meet and talk with each other, and they find a it's like the, the Van diagram. They find a kind of common area in the middle and you suddenly get whole new subjects fizzing off, firing off ideas and firing off sort of thinking and concepts because you've got a collision, an overlap of two disciplines or two groups of people that weren't formally engaging. So it's, you're so right, it's healthy and it's also creative. So it's, it's very exciting when that happens. That's fantastic. Well, now when we look at our audience as primarily faculty members in higher education, what kind of recommendations would you make to prospective authors of journal articles and or HS Talks information? I mean, I think it's really helpful if people just take a moment to look at the journals, see the type of content that it's publishing, go through and just look at the type of audience that it's reaching. So Henry Stewart publication, traditionally we've reached both academe and also the business community. But if you want to do something that is purely research and you don't really want to talk to the business community, which is very important in many ways, then we're not the right journals for you. But if you want to reach a broader audience and you want those kind of people reading you, then we're more of an appropriate publisher for your work. So taking time to see what is already published, having a look at the type of content that's there, who's on the editorial boards and who the editors are, that, that's, it's, you know, it's common sense and I'm sure your listeners will appreciate it. But cracky blimey, 90% of the content we get sometimes is somebody hasn't actually even bothered to look at what the journal is about and what we're publishing. So that can get frustrating. But when you do get an author who's just taken a little while to be aware of what you're publishing, then wow, that's great. And we really cheer them and uh, it's it all worthwhile. That's awesome. Yes. I think points that Darren's raised there are kind of applicable to the video kind of side of things as well. You know, it's important to understand the pitch of the video, for example, with the videos, we kind of compare them to a, a review article. So they're looking at a particular topic, the current knowledge of that topic, whether that's from within the biomedical side of things or the business side of things, as opposed to being a research article and presenting someone's data and their findings. So mm. you know, that's important because the longevity of these videos is much better and students going to be able to benefit from them for a much longer period of time if it's just looking at the kind of the wider field as it were, as opposed to one specific piece of work that's been done there. So having an understanding of that, I think, is very important. And I think also, you know, just an appreciation 
of video as a format as well. And the fact that this is something that fits alongside uh, journal publications. Obviously, researchers are always going to want to publish, and I think they should do. And I think that is, you know, especially important. But I think, yeah, an appreciation that the video side of things goes along with that as well, and potentially you're reaching a different audience by doing video publications as well, which can be very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, Jennifer. It does open the door to a different audience. You've got people that, if they want to know anything, they jump on YouTube. Right. So to be able to capture those eyes in that generation that doesn't want to sit down and read or doesn't have time to sit down and read or who forgets to charge their Kindle and (laughs) and can't read, you know, to have that overlap, I think is crucial. That's really great perspective there. Yeah. And I think while there are still, you know, challenges in people's access to digital and things like that, I think it's so much more widespread than it was five, 10 years ago. So I think from that side, the accessibility is only improving. Um, as things move forward. So as we mentioned before, you know, everyone's got a phone in their pocket or a lot of people do. So just having that 24-7 access to things that they can kind of use on the go is really important as well and really kind of helpful for many people that maybe don't have a lot of spare time, can watch a video on the bus or listen to it on your walk to work or whatever that may be, which can be really valuable. Yeah. Some of the content we're doing now in our courses, trying to add a podcast element to it or just an MP3 recording for exactly that purpose, right? I can't safely walk around the parking lot and read my textbook, but I can listen to it, you know, as I walk. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're touching into our last question here, and that is, what is HS Talks and HS Publishing passionate about moving forward into the future? You, I'm not sure you can get an old horse to change its spots or whatever the animal that does that changes its spots. So I'm not (laughs) sure I'm going to change much. So I'm going to carry on saying for us, certainly on the journal publishing side, we want to carry on doing what we do, um, you know, with integrity. So providing good quality vocational content, which is going to introduce young people to the world of work to make it real to them to make it engaging to make it exciting to them while still meeting that quality threshold that's very important to us and being a part and providing a service for our online education community as well with the new journal so we're going to try to continue to be vocational and be part of that digital revolution in the journals and so far as we can. And also over to you, Jenny, with what folks are, are doing in Henry Stewart Talks. Yeah, I think it's a similar thing, really. My, my main thing would be just being responsive to the evolving needs or wants of users. So whether they're students, faculty, researchers, those from within industry and business, just as things develop from a technical standpoint, you know, as our kind of understanding of learning and how best to deliver this kind of evolves, we need to make sure that we're responding to that. So in a similar kind of way to the micro learning and creating new forms of video content for that, making sure we're meeting any other changes in the field, as it were. And then another exciting project we've got at the moment, we started doing some live video events, um, which yeah. is really great because it gives, we started kind of on the biomedical side of things, but this is great because it brings the presenter and viewers together. So there's a chance for the Q&A at the end. So you can really have that kind of high level discussion and you submit your questions. So, you know, you could be a student and you can ask this very well-respected researcher your question. It could be the one that gets asked and getting the answers there. So again, just opening up that communication 
between viewers of video and those creating it as well, which I think is very important. Mm, yeah. I suppose actually sort of touched on a great point there as well, Jenny. I think it's the content of what we're publishing is evolving all the time in response to the digital revolution. So I was just thinking about the last kind of three or four journals that we've launched and that's all been a consequence of people coming to us saying, we're doing some interesting work here. Have you thought about doing journal in this area? We want an outlet for our work, whether we're scholars and researchers or whether we're actually in business. So doing a journal on AI, which we've just started and which is looking at how AI, and we've just touched on it earlier, how it can actually be very constrictive, the whole ethics of AI and how you deal with that the choices that are kind of inbuilt and assumptions that are inbuilt within AI systems. That's a really interesting area, how you do it in banking, how you do it in finance. Similarly, digital in different walks of life. So, you know, looking at how digital is, is impacting us all in terms of advertising, branding, and the marketing choices and the products and services that we buy and consume. And data, the whole issue of data and how you protect it, how you should protect it, should you not protect it, what is the relationship between uh, what government, uh, whether federal or state or regional or regulation should be involved or if it shouldn't be involved. That's a really interesting area. And so I think one of the things that we've found is that the changes in the subject areas because of digital revolution and digital change are impacting on what we're publishing on. So that's a learning experience. And that's why it sort of keeps one interested and keeps one fresh because you get people coming around the corner when we're on the meta door with ideas that you thought you've never have dreamed of even five years, let yes. alone, you know, 10 years ago. So yeah, it's exciting times actually. Yeah, you would think that some stuff would translate naturally, like in classroom or in-person ethics, and then take that into the metaverse. Wouldn't the same ethics apply? But it's crazy how much gray area there is around copyright and around right to use and music and all that stuff. It's now in this place that exists. Like I can push play on a radio in a classroom and not have a problem. But if it's on the metaverse where it could be recorded, I might have a problem. It's a whole new level of research that we need that there's not a lot out there yet. So. I think that's right. And I think often the, the lawmakers and the people that are working in the legal industry are still finding out themselves. You know, I mean, I think it's and the laws are being changed all the time. I mean, there's, you know, India very recently just scrapped what effectively is its data protection regulations and they've just scrapped it and they're going to start again. And that's a country of whatever it is, one and a quarter billion people. So wow. it's big things on the planet. So yeah, these things are still in the process of being made. And these are really, really interesting times that we live in. <laughs> yeah, I do think are. you're right. You know, It's always exciting to see where these things lead and what the next hot topic will be, as it were. We will be publishing content on in, in 12 months time that you might not be expecting to be learning about. So yeah, always looking forward to that as well. Oh, 100%. You guys have been fantastic. Thanks for rich answers to these questions. Thank you so much. No, thank you. It's thank been really nice to speak with you. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Thank you, Michael. It's been a privilege meeting you and talking to you. It's been a lovely, lovely time. So thank you very much. Thank you. I always enjoy podcasts. I walk away having learned something. Now, as, as Tiffany typically says, she's got to go take a few laps around the block just to digest everything. So I appreciate the <laughs> fuel for my walk today. <laughs> Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll be able to get you back on if new things break free in the area of digital publishing. And thanks for sharing what you guys do. This has been great. 
Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.